With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. How are you guys doing? Welcome over here. This episode is sponsored by Atlas VPN. As you guys can see, I'm currently sitting in a different hotel than uh, the previous episode from the other day, and I will be here for a few more days bouncing around this country, but I'm currently checking off a bucket list item of mine, and I promised you guys I would be knocking out these videos while I'm out here doing this because they're extremely important to do. So, out the gate, we know that HIMARS have been used... Uh, inside of Ukraine, and they're, they're having a massive impact on the Russian military when it comes to taking out ammunition depots and actually hitting the Russian supply uh, routes leading to certain areas. Now, apparently, the United States will be transferring ammunition to Ukraine that can literally reach out to 300 kilometers. Like, the previous max offensive range of these HIMARS was 70 kilometers. Okay, now they're able to do that much damage, then I can't imagine how much more effective these things will be and what they're going to be able to do to the Russian military. I mean, think about it. They will literally never be able to touch these things since they're, they're always moving instantly after they're fired in the first place. The crazy part here is the fact that they've already trained 100 Ukrainians to actually utilize this equipment, and there's 18 HIMARS inside of the country as of right now. Now, you remember why Russia wanted to take Crimea years and years ago? I think it was back in 2014. Uh, you know that bridge? They wanted to have a land bridge that they would actually connect the southern portion of Ukraine to Russia, which now we know why they wanted it, to, to do the freedom of movement to, to get supplies in and out of the Kyrgyzstan area. Well, now I'm just going to throw this one out there, that that bridge is now inside of the range of the high Mars with this new ammunition. And if they somehow do target this bridge, somehow, they would effectively cut off all the supplies flowing in and out of the region that would be extremely detrimental, uh, detrimental to the Russians down inside of Kyrgyzstan itself. Now, Putin is now starting to put stuff out there on Telegram directly, just so everybody is aware. Uh, just the way he carries himself during this speech you guys are about to hear makes me realize that he honestly believes that Russia would stand a chance against the West in an actual fight. Today we hear from the West that they want to defeat us on the battlefield. Well, what can I say? Try it. We have heard that the West wants to fight us to the last Ukrainian. This is a tragedy for the Ukrainian people, but does not seem to be the case. Everyone should understand that, by and large, we have not yet commenced anything serious. At the same time, we are not refusing peace negotiations either. However, those who are refusing to negotiate should know that the longer they wait, the more difficult it will be for them to negotiate with us. Now, I do think it's somewhat funny that he claims that they're, they haven't... Uh commanded anything serious as of yet. I mean, 30,000 plus KIA to me, that's pretty serious. And I would think in this short of a time, they've actually been in war. What are we at? Like what, five months now? I mean, 30,000, it's pretty significant. You did attempt to take multiple large cities and failed. So if you're going to throw anything larger at this war, you probably should have done it then. But that's just me. Just going to throw that one out there. So there's currently 6 million users worldwide. Atlas VPN protects all your devices with one single subscription. Stop ads and malware. This is more than just a VPN. It blocks all malicious links, ads, and trackers, and notifies you when someone is trying to steal your data. Get the best deals while shopping online, including subscriptions to Netflix and Spotify, airlines, hotels, and more. 
Right now, you guys can get Atlas VPN because they're running a huge discount. It means you guys can get a three-year subscription for just $1.99 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Time is running out, so get your deal by clicking the link at the very top of the description, or you guys can go to get.atlasvpn.com forward slash speak the truth. You guys can get it right now. You guys need to go to get.atlasvpn.com forward slash speak the truth. $1.99 a month for a three-year subscription. Tony goes right now, you guys need to do it with a 30-day money-back guarantee. All the people inside of Ukraine that are utilizing this are using it for a reason. That, that is a journalist. They don't want to be caught. They don't want to be persecuted. Like I use it myself every single day because I'm always sifting through the craziest websites, like the most insane websites. So make sure to go check them out. Keep your family safe. Like why wouldn't you guys want to do this? One, one subscription protects your entire family and all your devices. Go check them out. They'll be linked to the very top of the description. Thank you so much to Atlas VPN for sponsoring this video. And apparently the Russians have just, the Navy that is, have just received a brand new submarine that is the size of a school bus. It is called Project 09852 Belgorod. Okay, this thing has apparently been altered to carry six 80-foot Poseidon nuclear torpedoes that could be armed with a warhead of up to 100 megatons. I have absolutely no idea what that means. To be honest with you, 100 megatons to me is not even a fathomable number. Like, I don't even, what, what does that do? I don't think, does anybody, I don't I have no idea. Like, really. Uh, anyway, they claim that the submarine was actually designed to solve diverse scientific problems, which aren't named. Uh, the submarine, apparently, I don't know what submarine is solving scientific problems, but apparently this one is for that. It's also, apparently, by the way, for search and rescue operations, which I don't really know when a submarine is going to be saving anyone under the water, but more power to it. If you were wondering what the point of a massive nuclear torpedo was, well, don't you guys worry. I've got you. I've got the exact verbiage coming from the Russian presentation. This is great. All right, you guys ready for this? Poseidon is a nuclear strategic weapon that would have a range of thousands and thousands of miles and would destroy very important economic installations of the enemy in coastal areas and cause guaranteed, yes, guaranteed devastation damage to countries' territory by creating wide areas of radioactive contamination, rendering them unusable for military and or economic activity for a long time. That is literally verbatim what they have. Okay, but I thought this thing was actually supposed to be used for search and rescue operations or for what? Scientific research? But it's okay. Take out the entire coast of America. That's pretty much what they're wanting to do. Now, Ukraine also thinks that there's a possibility that Belarus really could be trying to enter this war in the near future. Now, for everyone that's listening over podcasts and whatnot, just imagine there's, there, there's a... A bunch of Ukrainians setting up mines on the border and ripping railroads to blow because, honestly, that's what's going to happen. Now, honestly, I don't personally believe the mines along the road will do much because you can see them from really far away. Uh, this is more than likely just going to be used to slow them down and target them with other means like a javelin. And also, these are just the ones that they can see. I, I'm going to assume most of these routes leading into the country of Ukraine will have secondary areas set up with actually, like, large explosives on them. Possibly IEDs, like, like... You know what I mean? To set up ambushes. But this is by far my favorite clip, like, ever to be pulled from any network with regards to the war inside of Ukraine. This time it's actually an Italian host who's having a call with the main guy we see on Russian state TV at all times. Like, this is, we see him all the time. And, and, and he's going over what their end goal is. If your aim is only at the Donbass, why are you attacking not only here? You also attack Kharkiv, you attack the south in order to reach Odessa. Where do you want to reach? What's your aim? If to be precise, Transnistria. But let's come back to the... No, 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 wait. This is interesting. Excuse me, Vladimir. Wait, do you want to reach here? 
So to take this part of Ukraine, pointing at Transnistria. Still? Yes, Transnistria. Oh my god, so the Donbass has nothing to do with it. The Donbass is just an excuse. You want to take a half of Ukraine. You want to take the Black Sea from Ukraine. Do you think that Ukraine would let this happen? Do you think that we, Italians, Europeans, NATO members, could allow such a situation? It's impossible. So the best part about this entire thing is watching his face. If you guys are on the podcast and you guys aren't, you guys aren't getting the visual, just imagine how confused this, this Russian state TV host is when he realizes that he's being called out publicly and the Italian host literally says, do you really think we're going to let you take that much of Ukraine? Like this is the first time I've seen anyone call these people out like while being put on the spot directly. Like no one's like that's the thing is when these guys are on their Russian state TV and we watch it over and over again, like they never have to worry about somebody coming out and hitting them back with anything because that's not going to happen. Like, I, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, why that doesn't happen. Uh, Ukrainian undercover units have, have also been under work or doing some undercover work over, excuse me, over the last couple of days. Now, there was a police officer who was joined, uh, excuse me, he joined the Russian administration inside of Kyrgyzstan who was then promoted to the deputy head of police, but then when he was assassinated inside of his own car yesterday. So that didn't pan out too well. They also detained a gentleman inside of Kramatorsk, which is just outside of Slovenask. Um, if you guys didn't know that, it's just south of it. But he got caught for passing information onto the Russians about the movements and the locations of Ukrainian troops inside of this area. Now, this gentleman's outcome will probably not be too favorable. I'm just going to throw that one out there. For one, I mean, he did all this while during a wartime. And two, this is like the hottest portion of the country. Now, the United Kingdom is generally like fairly decent when it comes to getting their intel. Sometimes they're lagging behind some stuff we put out here, but sometimes they're really spot on. We're just kind of like, I mean, it is what it is. They're really good. Now, they're actually claiming that the Russia military, like Russia itself, the Kremlin, is currently moving reserve forces from across the country and assembling them near Ukraine for future uh, offensive operations. Now, a large portion of the new infantry units are probably uh, deploying this is what they're saying. They're deploying with armed vehicles that have been taken from long-term storage. I actually feel bad for these men because they're going to be pulling, like pushing themselves forward into this fight. They're being pulled into this fight because they're going to have to be using MTLBs, okay, which for a long time, Russia actually considered them unsuitable for most frontline infantry transport roles, okay? Just think of it like a troop carrier, okay? Now, this thing was originally designed in the 1950s as a tractor to pull artillery, and has very limited armor and only mounts a machine gun for protection. Now, does the Russian government like not realize that Ukrainian troops in certain areas are way more like well-equipped than they were five months ago and better trained and have better understanding of what's going on? And they want to send these men in with stuff that could be up to 70 years old? And just for some clarity, just for some clarity real quick, most of the Russians that first came into Ukraine back in February were equipped with BMP-2s, infantry fighting vehicles, okay, troop carriers which featured, by the way, armor that was 33 millimeters thick, mounted a powerful, like a really powerful 30 millimeter autocannon and an anti-tank missile launcher. Not something that's just made to pull artillery. Like Putin literally claimed earlier inside this episode that the Russian military hasn't even started yet. And yet many of the reinforcements that he's calling up are literally seen with obsolete equipment. I mean, for God's sakes, we have video proof coming out that there's literally men fighting for the Russian army who are using World War II style helmets. They're legitimately still, like they legit still have the red star on them. They couldn't even take the time to paint these things like over them. 
Now, going back to what we talked about a little bit ago about people coming out against Russia and why the people aren't doing it that actually live there. Now, Moscow has actually used its law for the first time that they, they implemented at the very beginning of the war. Like, this was actually brought up so they could start uh, going against fake information from inside their country. Now, they just sentenced a Moscow city councilor for discussing a children's drawing contest at a local meeting. I know this is, sounds kind of crazy. I'm bringing it up for a reason because it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Now, he said this, and I quote this gentleman who got uh, locked up. What kind of children drawing contest can we talk about for Children's Day when we have children dying every day? That's all he said. He got seven years in prison for that. Yes, literally seven years because they claimed that he was spreading disinformation about the special military operation. Like, be glad you live where you do. and You don't have to worry about something like this happening to you for speaking your mind. I'm just saying we're very lucky. It's pretty nuts. So Russian recon elements have actually attacked a town of Petrovica, just north of Kharkiv, which is a clear indication that they now control the town of Melvesil, which is just south of Vesil itself. Now, they have been attempting to take Demetrovica over the past week or so, but they've been very, very unsuccessful in their attempts. Other than that, there has been no change inside this area over the last couple of days. This is the area I'm talking about they just took, and this is the area they keep trying to take. And I honestly think that inside of the Den- Demetrovica area where they've tried for the past week, I think it's literally just so they can actually give the rear commander like, oh yeah, here's your sit rep. We're trying every single day. You know, like we're trying to push through, but they, they're fending it off really well. It, it's, it's really tough to get through here. Now, the Russians control most of the town outside of uh, Izium. I'm going to switch over to this other map because it'll be a little bit easier to show you guys. So, Bil, uh, <laughs> I'm going to jack this name up. We, we This name has been pretty tough. Uh, Boho, Boho Dorchine. Okay, Boho, Boho Dorchine. Boho, I can't even say it like that. Anyway, they control most of this town as of right now. Now, there is a Ukrainian element that is just south of here on the uh, high ground still. They control all the high ground on the south side of the town. They've made no progress. That is the Russians down the MO3 route. This MO3 route right here. They've made zero progress down there. So, that being said, they're going to have to control some of this route to actually push around to take this high ground. Okay, that is that has to happen. There's no way for them to actually take that portion without getting some troops around to apply the pressure on the Ukrainians on those hilltops. It's going to be very difficult. Because when I mean like very deep valleys, they're very deep. So, it's going to be unless they just absolutely bombard them, that's the only way they can do it. Like, even a- after me taking a few days off, like... We're doing this travel. It seems like the Russian elements inside this area haven't really done much. And they've only taken a little bit, well, they've taken a little bit of losses. So we're going to shift over here to the eastern side. I've got a little bit conflicting reports. Um, apparently yesterday, Russians actually attempted to cross the Donetsk River again, just north of Bilirvika. So somewhere in this area. Again, the same area they tried to do an attempted river crossing back in, what, a month and a half ago. They lost like 400 men. It was, it was insane. Okay. Now, they attempted this. Once again, with one of the units trying to cross over the river, but they were again smashed by Ukrainian artillery fire. Now, this is just another indication that Ukrainians have the ability to land precise artillery rounds and rocket strikes on the Russians if they're trying to get over in certain areas. Like, this is another example of poor planning by the Russian military leaders, once again, who are just looking to say they have completed a task at hand. Like, why aren't they establishing local artillery, like, superiority, or at least having the ability to counterattack with their own artillery? Like, the numbers haven't been released yet on the men inside this equipment, or the men in the equipment losses, excuse me, but it has been noted to be very, very considerable. Now, Bilirovica, you guys can see I have marked it as being under Russian control, but I have no, like, no one really knows as of right now, because there's, I have a couple different sources that say that it isn't under control, and I have some that say it is. So, we're just going to leave it be for right now. The Russians claim they've taken Spearney. Uh, I, I do believe they have our Spearn. 
I do believe they have because I've actually had this annotated for a couple of days now. It's saying that they have it. It's just it's, this whole area right now is a little kind of back and forth because this is they're trying to maintain the ground that they've taken from the Ukrainians, but they do not want to give it up, clearly. Now, along this whole line, there's been no change. We're going to slide a little bit south here. They have actually pushed a little bit of men across the MO3 route, and they tried to attack Velsolidonia right here, but it was repelled in the current state of the Russian element that pushed across is kind of in between that city and the MO3 route. They do control the MO3 route, and just for anybody who's listening, I'm talking about just south of Bakhmut. Pretty much the whole route leading out of Luhansk area is now controlled by the Russians. Okay, just so everybody is aware, they did attempt to take the the there's a there's a large power plant. I think it's roughly about right here. They tried to take this today. It did not pan out. They were actually repelled. Other than that, that's pretty much the deal with there. I'm going to slide all the way over. There's Kyrgyzstan area. I'll tell you right now. This whole line, no change. Sliding all the way over here. I will say, I will say this: the the Russian or the, excuse me, the Ukrainian government has asked everybody to leave Zapsarzia and Kyrgyzstan if that possible. So just keep note of that, just so everybody knows. Now, down here, down here in Kyrgyzstan, I can't really give you guys much change when it comes to ex exact locations, mainly because there's a blackout in the area by the Ukrainian government. But I know firms, there's a satellite. We, we're, we're able to see, like, ground fires. I'm going to tell you guys, all around this area, on the front half, on the northern side of Kyrgyzstan, the city itself, there is a considerable amount of, of fires, which means it's behind the Russian lines, which means they're getting hit heavily by artillery or HIMARS. And they also hit the airport once again inside of Kyrgyzstan. So, yeah, that's pretty much what we got going on on the ground. I will be back here probably tomorrow with another episode for you guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, do me a favor. Go check out the sponsor. It'll be linked at the very top of the description. Other than that, I love you guys, and I'm out.